0: Hey, uh, we're in a series of messages that we're calling uh, Caution, and we're taking it from Ephesians chapter 5 and a few verses right there in uh, chapter 5. And uh, can we show those verses? And what I'm going to have you do, Cheryl, skip through that verse and skip through the next one and skip through that one too. You can tell I went too long the first service. That's the verse that we're horning in on right there. After, after, he's talking to new Christians here and basically he says a whole bunch of things about how you should live. And so he concludes that and then says, be very careful. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And that's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And that's part of Paul's letter to the church that met at Ephesus um, almost uh, maybe all of Paul's letters. I, they probably are. I'm trying to think through right now. They're letters to churches that he either started or visited. And so he wrote a, a letter to this church, just like if some uh, evangelist or someone uh, preached uh, a revival here and wrote a letter back to us. That's the Bible that we have, Paul's letter to the to the church that met at Ephesus. And a part of that was verse 15 that says, Hey, you new Christians. Um, Hey, you believers, be very careful how you live. Be very careful how you live. Not, not as unwise. The Proverbs word for that would be foolish. Not as foolish. Not as unwise, but as wise. So I've taken that little phrase, be very careful, and, and named the sermon series Caution. Now when you see a caution sign, uh, as I said last week, uh, we talked about... Uh, be very cautious about bitterness when you feel a tinge of bitterness in your spirit that should be a caution to you and caution signs on the roadways are not at where the problem is uh, the caution signs are a quarter of a mile back a half a mile back from where the problem is that gives you time to make adjustments You, if you've got caution road work ahead okay and I'm going 70 mile an hour On 70, and it says, caution, road work ahead. I've got at least a quarter of a mile to take my foot off the gas, to put my foot on the brake, to take that down to about 30 mile an hour so I can navigate whatever road work is ahead. If that caution sign is right at where the danger is, then i got problems because there's not enough time then for me to navigate that carefully. So caution signs are something that God gives us. We see them with our spiritual eyes, that God gives us that says, Hey, better make adjustments. Hey, a half a mile up the road here. Uh, uh, when you have a, a caution sign and then you'll have that little thing that says windy road or makes there's some real steep curves. Those are not where the steep curves are. They're back from the steep curves to say, Slow down, make adjustments. And these caution signs that we sense in our spirit, that we see with our spiritual eyes, are part of God's grace that says, hey, Mark, be careful here. Be very careful. You're not in the danger zone, Mark, but if you keep going and don't make an adjustment, we could have real problems. And so last week we talked about bitterness. When you feel that first little tinge of bitterness... Unforgiveness in your spirit, holding things against people, uh, that's a caution sign for you. It, it may not have blown up into a big, huge problem in your life, but if you sense that right now, if you see with your spiritual eyes that caution sign, hold, better pay, take your foot off the gas of, of that bitterness in your life. And We talked through that last week, and that message is on the Internet. Today I want to use the Old Testament story of Joseph and, and talk about uh, A little bit about, be be very cautious about the subtle nature of temptation. Now Joseph's story is is a story of sexual temptation, but it doesn't have to be just talking about sexual temptation. It can be talking about any kind of temptation in your life. But be very cautious, because temptation is subtle. It's Covert. The enemy works in very covert ways. He, he works in subtle ways. Doesn't have a big, doesn't have a big flash and neon light that says, sin this way. He, he works very subtly and so subtly that. We miss it many times, and the spiritually sensitive have to be very, very sensitive to that first little caution, to that first little tinge in your conscience that says, hey, this is, this is not right. If you continue in this, this is going to be a problem. Remember, temptation is not sin. Temptation is an enticement to sin. You will never have live uh in your life here on earth and have no temptation jesus was tempted it's an enticement to sin it's it's just like just like when i see the caution sign about bitterness i may have not crossed the line into sin there but it's just caution if you keep going and the same thing with temptation is here caution if you keep going here you're you're going to have trouble be be careful about the subtle subtle nature of temptation now where do i get that from Did I just invent that? No, you don't pay me to invent things, you pay me to teach scripture to you. And in in the story of Joseph, in chapter 39 of that story, I, I don't have time to tell you the whole backstory of Joseph, but let's just say that he was sold as a slave to Egypt, and there's a whole lot more of his story than that, obviously. But he was sold as a slave to Egypt. A slave is not like in that time, was not necessarily like we think of, of, of slavery that we endured here in the United States. But he was an employee. He was a, a worker for a, a man that's name was Potiphar. And so he was, he was working for Potiphar. And one day, Potiphar's wife, the scripture says in verse 7, 39 7, Joseph was going about doing his normal stuff. He was a really good employee, the scripture says. And he was going about doing his normal stuff. And if you miss it, if you don't look at Scripture closely, you'll miss it. But it simply says that the master's wife, Potiphar's wife, took notice of Joseph. There was, there was some day, Joseph had been working in the house, been doing all of his, his, his stuff that he does in the house all the time. She knew he was there. It wasn't a surprise. Oh, there's Joseph. No, she knew he was there. But one day, she took notice of him in a different way. Now, obviously, this all didn't happen in the same instant. Uh, scripture is, 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 is condensed and a whole lot of time happens before she took notice of him and said come to bed with me a whole lot of time happened but it started with nothing more than a glance and a thought that she would never had before be very cautious of the subtle nature of temptation it comes innocently enough. No one falls into deep, deep sin right away. It's a little step and a little bit and a little bit. It's me blowing through the caution sign. It's me not making adjustments. It's, it's, it's not a big road sign that says, turn right next exit, there's sin here. Uh, The devil's too smart for that. But he comes to us in a very, very subtle way. C.S. Lewis wrote a book named uh, Screwtape Letters. I would recommend it to anybody. Screwtape Letters is a fictional account of one devil counseling another, one of his demons, on how to get somebody to fall to sin. And so it's just letter after letter letter after letter of one uh, of the devil counseling an apprentice demon on how you get this guy to sin. That's, that's what it is. And it's a fascinating account of human nature. And C.S. Lewis writes, that now, the, now the devil is teaching the apprentice demon this. The safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope. Soft underfoot. Without sudden turnings. I like this last one. Without signpost. Sin, turn right. Sin, next exit. Without signpost. If if the Christian is going to fall to sin, it's not going to be because there's a big sign that says sin, next exit. It's going to be much, much more subtle than that. No affair ever started with a sign that says affair, turn right. It starts much more subtly than that. And not not only sexual temptation, any kind of temptation can start innocently enough. Even for good reason, something even good can be taken out of bounds of the good way that God had intended it to be used, and over time, that can become sin. Don't be naive, friends. Don't be naive. The text says there was a day she took notice. Other translations say there's a day that she cast her eyes upon Joseph. I'm deeply indebted to a guy who I can't even remember his name, but I was a brand-new Christian, probably less than a a year-old Christian, and I went to the Quad Cities in Illinois and Iowa, right down the Illinois-Iowa line and uh, heard some speaker, and I couldn't for the life of me tell you who it was. But he said this, and it's forever helped me, and I've shared it with you before. says, the first look is free, meaning we live in this world, and we can't help what comes in front of our eyes. She lived in that house and couldn't help but see Joseph. We live in a world, and we can't help but see things almost on a daily basis that are not conducive to Christianity, are not conducive to a close walk with God. We can't help that. We live in the world and we see things. And this speaker said to all of us, he says, the first look is free because we just see things. We can't help it. But the second look is sin, meaning I see something, but I don't have to look back. I see something, but I don't have to there, at it first look is free we, we live in a world we can't help it there's just stuff out there and we see it every single day and it doesn't make us uh, more and more christ-like we can't help that but we don't have to turn back to that we don't have to look at it again just little subtle ways that things pop in front of you John Wesley said this, and I've never found this in Wesley's writing until this week. Wesley said, The devil never enters more dangerously than by unobserved incidents, which seem to be nothing, yet insensibly open the heart to great temptations. They seem to be nothing, but they open the heart to great temptations. Can I, uh, I? I don't know what area you're tempted the most but there's a subtleness to that there's an innocent nature to that don't be caught off guard don't be unwise and think the devil's going to give you a signpost that says a sin turn right sin next exit he's not going to give you that Um, it comes under the heading of good things many times. It's good to be concerned about family and friends. Very good to be concerned. But somewhere that concern crosses the line to worry and anxiety. My, my mother struggles here at 91. My mother thinks that I don't care about people because I don't worry about them. And I, and then I do about it. And I'm not sure what worrying about it. Now, now let me say, if, if Levi Christopher's not home at 3 a.m., all right, I'm worrying. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I, I I'm I'm talking about a preoccupation that it can be good. It's just a natural concern and prompts you to prayer and all that's really, really good. But somewhere you can cross the line and it becomes worry. It becomes a preoccupation with that. It becomes not trusting God with that situation. It becomes me trusting that I'm going to worry about it and I'm going to take care of it. But it started with nothing more than concern, and concern is really, really good. Love and concern for a friend or family member, but somewhere crosses into worry and anxiety that Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. I came this morning to, to, to tell you that in that scripture, it simply said that Potiphar's wife, depending on your translation, took notice. Cast her eyes upon Joseph. Sin comes in extremely subtle ways. Can I, can I also tell you that to be cautious in this whole area of temptation, I'm not necessarily talking about sexual temptation. This story is about sexual temptation, but I'm talking about any temptation that comes come your way. Uh, be cautious by being prepared, being prepared for it. Don't get caught off guard. Don't be surprised by temptation. You know, the Scripture says, be very careful the way you live, not as unwise. It would be the epitome of unwise. It'd be the epitome of foolishness to somehow think that uh, I'm going to walk through this life and not face temptation. You know, I'm so sanctified, I'm such a Christian, I'm I'm such a mature believer that I'm past all that. Okay? No, I, I have to know that temptation is part of the Christian life. If Jesus was tempted, then why would I think that I wouldn't be tempted? So I need to be prepared for that, ready for that, anticipate that, make decisions beforehand about that. And that's one of the ways I'm cautious. Because decisions that I make in the heat of the moment, decisions that I make in in the midst of the temptation will not be good. Come on. You, me, in the heat of the moment, we will not make good decisions. But if we're prepared for that, If we know that temptation is a part of life, if we have made decisions beforehand about where we'll go and where we won't go and what we'll do and what we won't do, they're prepared for it and we're heeding a caution sign. The 39th chapter of Genesis is a a story, uh, continuing the story about Joseph. Uh, The Bible says, So Potiphar, that's the master that, that Joseph was a slave for, left everything he had in Joseph's care when Joseph was in charge he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So that tells you what a good employee Joseph was. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Uh-oh. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. Now, I'll be the first one to admit here I'm reading into Scripture. I'm reading into Scripture. But it just flat out says, but he refused. He refused. And any well-built, handsome man that is has some sexual overtures by what I assume, since he was a high official in Egypt's wife, he, she was a, a good-looking woman, boy, let me tell you, it's tough to refuse in the heat of the moment unless you've made some prior decisions. You've made some commitments in your life. You've got some accountability in your life because let me tell you friends from past experience and you could t- you could stand up right now and testify in the heat of the moment we don't make good decisions and that's why we have to be ready and that's why we we have to make sure that I know that this this is this is coming in my life and I have to be prepared for it and I have to be ready for it he refused he refused what what right now what struggle in your life right now oh <laughs> temptation is not a real big a church is not a real big place where you're faced with temptation but when you're not at the caution sign right now when you're not faced with temptation what decision do i need to make now uh, well, let's, let's just make up a story and, and say Mark has, has uh, gone into business and my business is doing really, really well. In fact, it's taken off a whole lot and I'm making more money than I ever dreamed. There's, it, looks like, it looks like that I'm going to have a lot of money coming in. And before I even see that huge revenue stream coming in, I better make some decisions about money and what money will do for me and what money won't do for me and how I'm going to handle this. Because all of a sudden, if I get this influx of all this money that I've never had before, and I get all this money, and I've never made any prior decisions about how I'm going to handle money and what I'm going to do with money, in the heat of that moment, when I all of a sudden have all of this money here, I will not make good decisions. But as I anticipated and said, man I, man, I just closed this order, and this order, do you know how much money this order is going to make me? And I better make some decisions right there. I'm not going to let this money have me I'm going to have the money (laughs) be prepared don't be so unwise (laughs) that you just go along happy-go-lucky and just you know whatever comes and you're not prepared or somehow think that That it's not going to affect you be prepared and it's interesting what Joseph says here in the next passage that we have go ahead Cheryl to that next passage no one was greater in this house than I am Joseph said to her my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife and then he says to her how then could I do such a wicked thing and a sin against God he saw this he saw this as a sin against God he says, how could I do this? He didn't say, he didn't say, um, he didn't say um, well, I'm not good for you. <laughs> we wouldn't be good together. <laughs> he, says, how, he refused and said, how could I do such a wicked thing against God? God was forefront in his mind, which means that he probably had a fear of God because God is God and God disciplines those he loves, the book of Hebrew tells us. How could, I, how could I do this? He had a God awareness right even in the midst of sexual temptation when she was grabbing him and said, come to bed with me. There, he was so in touch with God. He had a, such a God-focused life that, that he says, how can I do this against God? Wouldn't you think, you know, maybe he, if he was married, he would say, well, how could I do this against Sue? And how could I do this against Karen? And, and that's right and that's true. But he has such a God-focused moment, even in, the, even in that temptation, he says, how could I do this against God? He saw it as letting God down. And that meant he had a certain fear of God, which is an extremely healthy thing. God is loving, God is gracious, but hear me if you've never heard me before, God is God. God is God. And just as a father disciplines those he loves, the heavenly father will discipline those that he loves as well. I don't want the hand of God on my life in that kind of way. I don't want the discipline of God on my life in that kind of way. And that discipline may not come right away, but by golly, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. You may get away with it for a little bit. And I'm not trying to be negative. I don't want to be a negative preacher. I just, I love you enough to tell you the truth. We may get away with it. A little. We hear stuff every single week about people who fall to sin. And they didn't fall, you know, they didn't sin on Friday and get caught on, on Saturday. They probably sinned six months ago and it pretty soon, once the when they thought that would get away with it, it comes back to haunt them. Proverbs nine ten says, the fear of the Lord, listen, because we're talking about being wise, right? Be careful how you live, not as unwise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That God is God. And he'll do what he says he'll do. He's the most loving and most gracious creature, being that could ever have been. But he's God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, and joseph says how could i do this against god how could i commit this sin against god hebrews chapter 12 speaks to this fear of the lord as well therefore since we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship god acceptably with reverence and all for our god is a consuming Fire, please believe that he's loving and gracious to the nth degree but please hold up right next to that that he's God and he'll do what he says and he loves you enough to discipline you Hebrews Hebrew says you know, if, if, if I don't discipline my boys I don't love them that's what Hebrews says and in the same way the heavenly father disciplines us and those, those that he loves So be prepared, and Joseph was prepared. He refused, but being prepared also by having a fear of the Lord as well. Be cautious by being prepared. Also be cautious by, by using common sense. Just use your head. <laughs> Just use your head. This showed up last night at Texas Roadhouse. Sue and I and the boys were at Texas Roadhouse last night. And Levi ordered a Dr. Pepper. Now, Levi, one Dr. Pepper is not a problem for Levi. But two and three and four get to be a problem for mom and dad because he's bouncing off the walls. And he's not sleeping. So we we limit his Dr. Pepper's. Because we love him. <laughs> so Levi did something very unseventeen year old last night. He drank about half of his Dr. Pepper. He was sitting across from his mother. He drank about half of his Dr. Pepper and said, then pushed the rest of it over to his mother <laughs> so he wouldn't be tempted by it. Now that's a very little thing. And we smile at that. But I wonder if there are some things in our lives way more important than Dr. Pepper's that we need to push to the other side of the table. It's just common sense, isn't it? If that, if, if that, if that Dr. Pepper's right here, man, I mean, it's going to be gone. I mean... Just use, just use his head. Said, Mom, take this, or I'm going to drink it. Now... If he had done the same same thing with those rolls that they have at Texas Roadhouse, (laughs) you know the reason I had six is because Levi just I I had to keep him from eating them because you know. (laughs) Now where where did I get that in the scripture? Uh, You you didn't you didn't come up here for me to make you laugh, okay? Uh, You. You came here for me to teach you the scripture. And Genesis thirty nine ten, as we continue with that same story, and basically saying Potiphar's wife, she spoke to Joseph day after day, but he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Or even be with her. He recognized it as temptation. He used his head, and he pushed the Dr. Pepper to the other side of the table. He refused to even be with her. Let me tell you, friends. If you're an alcoholic, you don't rent an apartment above a bar. You just don't. I don't care how cheap the rent is. It's, this is just not, you don't have to be smart to do this. It's common sense. But the longer I live, it seems to be uncommon sense sometimes. Use your head. Well, I, I, I'm Joseph. Joseph thinking. Well, I'm just going to refuse her. I see her every day, and I'm going to refuse her. But pretty soon, you know, he said, "Well, you know, I am a guy. You know, and pretty and she, you know, she does look pretty good. And maybe I just ought to let somebody else clean that room, or I, I, I just, I just need to stay away. I just need to stay away. It's just common sense." Be careful how you live, not as unwise. Well, I know I can resist. What more naive thing could anyone say? Well, I, 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 can, I can put up with that temptation. I won't fall to it. Come on, friends. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, Hey, you that think you're a really strong Christian and think that you're standing firm, be careful, be cautious. That you don't fall. I I wrote down the way the message translation uh, paraphrases that. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall on your face as easily as the next guy. Well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I do my devotions every morning. I tithe. I come come to work. I come to church every Sunday. I'm sold out for Jesus. Don't be so naive and self-confident that thinks you are exempt. Be wise. Push the Dr. Pepper to the other side of the table. He refused to even be with her. So how do I heed the caution sign? How do I heed the caution sign? In my spiritual eyes, I see see a caution sign. In my spiritual eyes, I see a caution sign. How do I heed it? I need to heed it by understanding the subtle nature of sin. I need to heed it by being prepared, making decisions beforehand. I need to heed it by using my head and, and having common sense. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 all basically talk about The dangers of the adulterous woman, the one who entices. It's written to a father. It's a, it's a book. Proverbs is written from a father to a son. And the father to the son says, Be careful about the adulterous woman who entices you. And in Proverbs 7 says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. And what was proof, writer to Hebrews, that he had no sense? It's the next verse. He was going down the street near her her corner. Walking along in the direction of her house. Who's her? The adulterous woman. The one that was tempting. him. And he just walked down the street near the corner where she hangs out. Near her house. Instead of going on the next block. It's common sense. If you really want to avoid it. See, the problem is, some people like to fondle temptation, and think about it. They're not going to do it, but they like to think about it. And the thought is the father of the deed. The thought is the father of the deed. This was a simple young man, the writer says. He had no sense. <laughs> the, how did I know he had no sense? He was just walking down the street near her corner. And let me tell you, when you walk near her corner and you walk close to where she is, you don't make good decisions in the heat of the moment. I don't know who wrote this next quote. I think I just forgot to write down the name, so I apologize. But it's us guys. Hey, guys, it's better to go through life having women think you're cold and heartless than to go down to the pit as a result of them thinking you're warm and cozy. Hey, hey, Pastor Mark, it's, it's better for you to make some rules about who you're riding a car with and who you won't ride in a car with. It's better for people to think you're old-fashioned. It's better for people to think you're, old, you're an old stuck in the mud and you live back in the 50s. Better than to think that than to think that you're all warm and cozy. Hmm. And Jesus, in John, maybe John eight, Jesus, the woman was caught in adultery, and what did Jesus say to her? He said, Go and sin no more. And I think a lot of people say, Well, okay, that's pretty cool. I got forgiven. And they just continue on the same path that they were on and continue to make the same mistakes that they're on. How, how do you sin no more? By doing something different than you did it the first time. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and think you're going to get a different result? How, how do you go and sin no more? How do you sin no more? Well, I have to be cautious so I won't fall in this situation again. And how do I be cautious? It's, what I'm trying to teach us today. You just can't go, sin no more. Don't do it anymore. i got to know what I'm going to do so I won't do it anymore. Or I'll just do it again. Well, real quickly, let me finish because there's a lot in this passage. Genesis 39:12. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by the cloak, his coat, and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Kent Hughes was pastor of college church at Wheaton University for a while. And he wrote a lot, and I've heard him preach. and Kent, Kent Hughes said, um, God needs a few good cowards. God needs a few good cowards. He ran out of the house. He ran out of the house. It's common sense, isn't it? I mean, if if I'm being, you know, you know, why did he run out of the house? Because I don't know, I'm reading into it again, but did he run out of the house because he didn't he didn't want the master to catch him in a something that really wasn't happening and think bad of him and all that yeah i'm sure that that was in that but did he also run out of the house because he's a he was a man and he's in the heat of the moment stuff happens and he, he he just he just got the heck out of there man he just got out of there that's common sense that's common sense that's pushing the dr pepper to the other side of the table this is not brain surgery it's not... Bra- if, if you really want to avoid temptation, you won't put yourself in places where you're tempted. This is what I already said. If you're an alcoholic, you don't rent an apartment above a bar. I don't travel a whole lot on my own. I used to travel a lot on my own. And, and I don't nearly as much, but I still have the same rule... If I check into a hotel and find out that that hotel offers (laughs) Showtime, HBO. They still have Cinemax anymore. They used to have probably showing my age with Cinemax. Pay-per-view. Only thing you got to do is pull out your credit card. Nobody's in the room. Check into that room. I say, will you disconnect? Would you disconnect those? Boy, they look at me like I'm a nerd, man. Boy, they, they nobody's ever said that. But if if you're if if you're if you're realistic about temptation, knowing that I'm on the road by myself, and the only thing I got to do is pull out my credit card, and I could see for nine ninety nine. Stuff you, have to, you used to have to go to the bad side of town to see. It's just common sense to protect yourself. Because in the heat of the moment, you don't make good decisions. Whether that's sexually or anything. or I'm just, This is just not a sermon on sexual temptation. I don't know where your area of temptation is. But wherever it is, go around the long way so you don't have to walk past it. Take the long way home. Well, I don't know what your temptation is. Your temptation is to spend $50,000 on a, a new truck, but you can't afford it. But I drive past that dealership every week. It's like that dealership is calling my name. Well, then I just go another way. Or whatever. Excuse your head. Now, as I close, I brought great conviction on some people here that have fallen to temptation. You have great regret and guilt in your life about past things that you have done. Can I tell you that He is a gracious and merciful Savior? And he's willing to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. And you need not carry that guilt. You need to confess and you need to repent. What does it mean to repent, Mark? I can give you a big theological definition of it or I can just give you the Mark Atherton from 425 Wood Street in Maysville, Kentucky definition. It just basically says... Lord, don't let me do it again. Confess is that I did it. Repent is, Lord, I don't want to do it again. Not just, well, I'll just do it again and confess, and do it again and confess, and do it again and confess. That's, that, that kind of Christian, no one understands. The Bible doesn't understand that kind of Christian. The Bible understands a Christian who will confess and repent, confess and repent, and even if you have to repent more than once, there's a genuine desire in your heart and spirit, Lord, don't let me do that again. So don't hear this message and let it beat you up. The gracious arms of God are, are open for, to forgive you, and all you have to do is ask, and that's one of the reasons we finish with communion every week. But this message was, go and sin no more as Jesus told the adulterous woman. And how do you do that? How do you do that? Do I do that by gritting my teeth and trying hard and all of that? Well, maybe that's some of it, but I need to have some strategies in place or I'm going to end right back up there again. I'm going to end up right back in the same situation again. Our servers are coming to the table. And I don't want you to leave here today burdened by past sin in your life or burdened by last night's sin because you gave in to temptation. I don't want you to leave here burdened by that. You can leave here unshackled by that, by confessing and repenting. What a marvelous way to do that, even though you've done it before, to be able to come and do it again at the table. Maybe come to do it at the altar. be cautious. I will not follow Jesus' admonition to go and sin no more if I'm not cautious. The text says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise. Let me tell you, gosh, I don't like to be this type of preacher, but it's the truth at this moment. If you're tempted, and you're not doing anything about it right now, you're not being cautious, you're not making adjustments, you will fall eventually. You're still a half mile away, but you're still going. You you feel that tinge of conviction. You see with your spiritual eyes that caution sign. If you don't make adjustments, you will fall, and there will be consequences for your fall. How can you say that? Mark, I've lived 63 years. It's happened in my life, and I've seen it happen in countless people's lives. How many, and I'm closed with this, how many pastors of all stripes are not pastoring today because of the subtle nature of temptation? And it was just a little counseling session. I was just trying to help the grieving woman whose husband had committed adultery on her. I was just trying to be sympathetic and she saw me as, that quote said, warm and cozy. (laughs) How many pastors are not in the ministry today because of the subtle nature of sin? (laughs) Father, Father, I want to be a good news preacher I really do but we've got to face the realities of life and the reality for the Christian is temptation oh we learn to deal with some better and as we grow more mature but then new temptations pop up and Lord help us to be cautious help us when we first feel that temptation to take our foot off the gas to push the Dr. Pepper to the other side of the table, to do whatever we need to do that helps us be cautious and make adjustments at that moment. I pray these people this morning will not simply be hearers of the word, but doers as well. In Jesus' name.